0: Verse, one verse tonight. I want you to read the verse with me. This is good. Genesis 49, verse 13. Read it together with me. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Notice that one verse, three important Bible characteristics are given to us about this man the son of of, uh, Jacob called Zebulun. Now, he's listed as number five in the order here, but in terms of birth order, he was number six. He was the sixth son. Issachar was actually uh, before him, but for whatever reason, I think there was something going on in Jacob's heart. He was leaning upon that staff that he spoke about Zebulun. Look at it again. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. I want to preach you a message, a Bible study message tonight as we close out the year, entitled Zebulun, a Blessed Man. A lot of times we start off the New Year's, Psalms chapter 1, and this is a good psalm. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, that talks about the blessed man. I want you to see a blessed man tonight. And as we conclude this evening, as we get, work our way through the message, I want you to see yourself in the place of Zebulun and say, God, would you touch my life? like you touched Zebulun. And Father, tonight, we're thankful for everything we've heard. We thank you for this incredible video update from Brother Tu Keo. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for those co-laborers down there in Cambodia, just getting the job done. Every time we get a report, souls are being saved. Something new is being started. Something's going on. Preachers are being raised up. Lord, thank you for the miracle you're doing there. Thank you tonight, as Mrs. Hayes and Mrs. Mercado both shared with us tonight. Of God, God's working in their lives and we're so thankful Lord for parents getting saved and a mother being raised from the valley of the shadow of death and more time being given to her family and Lord the great testimony found in that and I can just kind of see all that weaving together with our message and we thank you today God for just good health and strength for those, who, those of us who be here we do pray for our brothers and sisters who are uh, very sick and ill and could not be in church today and we pray you touch your bodies and cure them from runny noses and fevers and congestion and colds and flus. And we pray that none of it would morph into a pneumonia. We pray you prevent that. We pray for healing and wellness, God, as we get into the new year. We pray for families that are, that are traveling right now on vacation. Give them safety and mercies and uh, God protection. God, as we end this year, there's a lot of people that need to get saved. And there's a lot of people who've been saved we need to add to the church. We need follow-up and a lot of work and help. And Father, I pray you'd give us that mindset, that vision for it. This evening, I thank you for God's people who love you and are here tonight and not home watching TV and doing something else, but God here at church, the Lord, to get their soul edified and built up. And Father, I pray that you'd feed our souls and build us up in the word of your grace. As we study Zebulun tonight, I pray you do a great work in our hearts. We ask of this now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, there's something about preaching the last, the last service of the year that is just kind of a, sticks with me because you kind of wonder what what should you say and what do you do and it's kind of like Christmas after you've preached all the pastors on Christmas you want to kind of wonder is there any more any more to say and there's any more to preach them but there's always something to say and to add to that and uh, tonight as we end, it was just kind of fitting as the Lord worked it out. We're in Genesis 49 on these family portraits. And I've got about 12 messages, maybe total, on, on all the sons of Jacob here. But we're looking at his son by the name of Zebulun. And as I mentioned earlier, that in the, as we, before prayer, that he's actually the sixth son that was born to, to, to Jacob. And he's the son of Leah. uh, But he happens to be in the order that's mentioned here as as Jacob addressing his sons. He's number five here. And uh, one verse talks to us about Jacob's blessing upon the son. I'm kind of encouraged about reading about Zebulun, kind of like Judah uh, except maybe better than Judah, we don't hear anything bad about Zebulun. There's nothing mentioned bad about him. There's no, he's not mentioned as being unstable. He's not mentioned as being cruel or having an angry spirit or being cursed by his dad. I mean, none of that. He's just, there's just encouraging thoughts we have here about Zebulun. And I want you to go with me down a Bible journey tonight, and uh, let's just see some things about Zebulun. I pray I'll encourage our hearts and would help us to say, Lord, you know, whatever you did with Zebulun, Lord, I want you to do the same thing with me. Number one tonight, if you've got your outline, you have your Bible open. Number but one, I want to see Zebulun and his rank. Zebulun and his rank. Go with me to Genesis chapter 30, verses 19 to 20, and let's see tonight the first mention about Zebulun. Zebulun and his ranking, his rank. The Bible says in Genesis 30, verse 19, and Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God, notice this, God hath endued me with a good dowry, now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons, and she called his name Zebulun. Now you know the story there, but just by way back, remember, Leah is dealing with an incredible amount of insecurity. J- Jacob loved Rachel, but Leah was the elder, the elder sister and was given to him, and he basically had two wives. Now, he, he wasn't supposed to have two wives, but he had two wives. And Leah wa- so desperately wanted her husband to love her and to care for her. And so she thought by bringing another son into the world that this would happen here. Now notice his name. She looks at him and she calls his name Zebulun. And she speaks of him. She says in verse 20 here, God has endued me with a good dowry. Now circle the word dowry. We're going to do a study tonight. The word za- dowry is a very interesting word. The word dowry is the, word, the Hebrew word zibed, Z-E-B-E-D. Z-E-B-E-D. is the word z-e-b-e-d. And the word dowry could also mean a gift. It speaks about something extravagant, something very expensive. You understand the concept of a dowry. A dowry is something that was exchanged. A man that was a suitor for a man's, a man, a man's daughter, he would give a dowry for. He would give some substance to the family. Basically, he would buy her from the family, I guess if you could say that, but it was a gift to the family there. And the word, the word for dowry is the word zebed, but it's an interesting word because there was no dowry being given. She was equating the birth of this boy Zebulun as if she had received a dowry. She was saying, This is very precious. This is very uh, meaningful to me. Now, notice the word zebed, it, it has the idea of an endowment or a gift. Zebulun is a word closely tied uh, to the word zebed, zeb, the idea of a gift. The idea of a dowry. Zebad and Zebulun are very closely to matching up. Zebulun means exalted. When you match the two up, it speaks of this boy, Zebulun, being an exalted gift. He was something worthy of praise. He was something worthy of honor. When we look at him, though he was the middle child, this name Zebulun reflects what his mother and his father thought about him. He was a man who was praised, as we'll see tonight, a man praised for his character. Don't sell out your character. The most important thing about your life is your character. The most important emphasis is your character. Now notice some things about the tribe of Zebulun as it's mentioned in the Bible. The tribe of Zebulun is acknowledged for being responsive. Notice in Judges chapter 5 verse 18 Deborah, the great judge there in, in, in Judges 4 and 5, she had something great as you read through Judges 5. She had something very great to say about Zebulun because Zebulun and Naphtali were the two tribes that stepped up and assembled 10,000 men to go with her to go to battle. And, and they were successful in battle. And it's interesting because the other tribes were, not, were kind of lagging behind. But this is what she had to say about them as, she followed, as they followed him. She, they said in, she said in Judges 5 18, Zebulun and Naphtali were a people. That jeopardized their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. They took extraordinary risks to go to battle to fight against the Midianites. They were well outnumbered. But she describes their heroism as a people that jeopardized their lives. They were responsive. They exercised faith. They believed in God. They believed the cause was worthy to fight. They believed what they're defending their land was worthy to fight for. They were people that were responsive. We see a second thing about them. Notice 1 Chronicles 12:33. 1 Chronicles 12:33. Secondly, the tribe of Zebulun is acknowledged for being reliable. Number one, they were acknowledged for being responsive. Number two, they are acknowledged for being reliable. Look at 1 Chronicles 12:33 and what David had to say of them. He said of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle expert in war with all instruments of war, 50,000 which could keep rank, they were not of double heart. Boy, what a great commendation of their character. They could keep rank and they were not of a double heart. Now, if you know anything about uh, guys who are in the military and guys that are very good at what they do, they have a tendency to be soldiers uh, the soldiers that have a very strong ego and they have their idea what to do. These guys are wired about battle and so forth like that. And it's a little difficult when you have these, these These soldiers of war it's kind of difficult for them to stay together and to keep rank what's interesting David noted these men they followed his leadership and he describes them as men that could keep rank they were not of double heart they did not have their own personal agenda about things it's interesting as we speak about Zebulun he's called exalted and years later those descendants of his proved themselves as being responsive and reliable but notice something else in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 7 the land of Zebulun if you read Isaiah 9 we don't have time to get into it but the land of Zebulun is acknowledged as the place where our Lord would dwell. Now you get your Bible map out later on and where Zebulun would be in the cities of Zebulun as they were gifted over by Joshua in Joshua chapter 19. It's kind of interesting as we go forward from there we find that that area Zebulun which would be, which would be west of the Sea of Galilee incorporate, was incorporated into all of Galilee. It became parts of Galilee. And when we look at, when we read Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 the Lord chose because of this exaltation Zebulun that that would be the location or the mention where our Lord Jesus Christ would be born. And of course we saw this last week. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now when we look at this as a whole, we're considering Zebulun in his rank. Jacob saw a son who was blessed. He was blessing his son when he spoke about him in verse 13. In verse 13 he said, Genesis 49 13, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. He saw a son who was blessed. Would you turn with me tonight, even if it's in your notes. Turn to me to Psalms 112, and I'd like you to read with me tonight Psalms 112 about the blessed man. Now there's a lot of verses to speak about the blessed man, but I like Psalms 112 because I think it just kind of incorporates a lot of noteworthy things we want to look at as we consider our planning for 2019, as we think about our lives, as we think about goals we set, as we think about things unfinished, we think about things that need to be completed, things we want to get done. And I want you to read Psalms 112 with me. We're going to read all 10 verses. And here's what we're going to do I'm going to read the odd number of verses, and you read the even number of verses. When you read, read clearly and distinctly, okay? All together. I'm going to read verse 1, you read verse 2, and we'll go from there. Psalms 112. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Congregation, his seed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Congregation, unto the upright. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Congregation, surely he shall not be moved He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Congregation. His heart is he has so dispersed. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor altogether. And the wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Now I could stop there tonight. That probably should be the message for tonight in Psalms 112. There's so much there. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. It speaks about the blessed man. Would you notice a summary of this blessed man? He's a God fearing man. He's a godly man. He's gilded. That means God blesses him. God can trust him with riches. He's generous. He's giving. He's grounded. He's grounded deeply in God's word. He's great. I mean, when we look at all this, that summarizes I look at Psalms under twelve and I see Zebulun in that. I see Zebulun as a man who gave glory to God through his life. Our lives, God saved us to give glory to him. He exalted God through his life. He's a young man who, exalted, who gave glory to God and honored his father through his life. I remind you tonight, for all the young people tonight, children, honor your parents. Because children who honor their parents are honored by the Lord. Amen? I encourage you tonight, honor your parents. Live a life that's glorifying to God. Realize God is the giver of our life. Let's glorify God. Regardless of how 2018 will end, whatever did not occur, whatever was happened there, let's go into 2019 with the idea we're going to give God the glory in our lives. We see Zebulun and his rank. Notice number two tonight. Go back to Genesis 49, verse 13. Notice we see Zebulun and his rest. Zebulun and his rest. Would you notice verse 13, the first portion of that. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. Underline that. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. A A lot of stuff there. Dwell has the idea where you live. Dwell as the idea where you're abiding. The Bible says in Psalms 91 verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Almighty... Dwelling has the idea where you make your rest, where you feel at home about things. Notice this. The haven was the shoreline. The haven was considered a place of safety and rest. Notice the description of Zebulun. He shall dwell at the haven of the sea. It's talking about where his life would abide, where his life would dwell. Our goal, is, our, our goal in our life is to have a life pleasing to God. But we must think about where are we centering our life? Where are we abiding? Where are we Dwelling. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Listen tonight, our soul is at great rest when Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. Notice Hebrews 6.19. Hebrews 6.19 says, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Our soul is anchored safely into Jesus Christ. Describing Zebulun as a haven of the sea, he was at a place where he rested his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A lot of our unsettledness that happened in our lives might be because we've not made our, ha- Jesus Christ is the haven of rest for our soul. He made his soul, his life, the haven of the sea. Are, so when our souls anchored safely to Christ, we find that. Notice secondly, our soul is at rest when we give our heavy yoke to Jesus and take his yoke instead. Notice Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I want to park there for just a minute. Whatever your burdens are, are you trying to bear your burden yourself or have you given to the Lord? What do you do with your burdens? Why are you carrying your burdens yourself? I understand weightlifting, and I understand weightlifting for especially for guys. We do it for we do it for to, to keep our muscle mass and so that we don't so we keep our body strong and and all those kind of things and for athletics and things. I understand weightlifting, but I don't understand why we carry the weights and burdens on our shoulders when Jesus said, "Bring it to me." Amen. But I mean, why are we carrying our burdens? Why are we carrying on your shoulder? Why don't you give it to the Lord? Why are you having sleepless nights and anxiety in your soul and restless evenings? Why don't you give it to the Lord? Look again, Matthew eleven, verse twenty-eight: Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen tonight. The government is not going to give you rest, and medicine is not going to give you rest. Jesus is the source of rest tonight. Verse twenty-nine, he says this: Take my yoke upon you. You ever seen a yoke? We were in Costa Rica, and we, uh, Brother Bordel took us to uh, this rainforest there, and I took special attention. I was kind of looking for sermon illustrations. while I was walking around there and stuff, and we went to this area called La Paz. I think I talked about it in one of our messages there. And he took this area called La Paz, which means the peace. And we were walking around this area, La Paz, beautiful area, but it was kind of an overcast day, and, and it was a lot of rain because Costa Rica is a very, 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 a very wet country, a lot of rain there. And they had there, my wife and I kind of took this walk, and we wound up in this place, and I think the others that were with us saw the same thing. We saw two oxen there, white oxen. And they had this very colorful uh, Costa Rican yoke on them. And I just kind of got around that and there was a, a cart, an ox cart behind them. And I got behind the ox cart and I was just trying to imagine the Bible times of this. And, this, this. and the yoke, I, I may be wrong about it, but I think the yoke was, was probably about the spread of my arms. And I looked and I grabbed it. It was about this thick. And I looked at man, That's a pretty heavy, heavy piece of uh, equipment there. All that. And you know the purpose of the yoke is so that basically to keep the the, the oxen uh, from bucking, bucking the the owner. And uh, when you yoke it up with another oxen, they're basically able to plow straight together, not going opposite there. And uh, a yoke, a yoke can be very heavy. And Jesus is using that idea, which on from an agricultural standpoint, the people that day understood very, very well the importance of a yoke there. And he's saying to them, Why are you carrying your heavy yoke? Why don't you let my yoke carry it? And the idea is giving there, can you imagine a farmer? Uh, with another farmer, they're trying to plow, and both of them putting a yoke on, they may start off holding up on their shoulders, but as they start plowing away, they start to sink down because that yoke is very, very heavy, and they start to sink low and lower. But you put it on the oxen, the oxen already have very strong shoulders and body, a mass that they can support it. And they, it doesn't flinch them. Yes, it's heavy, but they can carry it, and they make that straight line. They go across. Now, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out, would you rather carry the yoke or give the yoke to the oxen? Amen. You know, you give it to the oxen there. And here's what Jesus is saying. Why are you carrying your yoke? Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Bible says Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. Listen, our soul is thirdly. Our soul is at rest when we have faith in his promises and his word. Notice 2 Peter chapter 1 with me. 2 Peter 1, Peter's writing to the diaspora. Believers who are with unrest because of persecution, been unsettled. They're immigrants, refugees. They've had to forsake and abandon their homes. Marriages are broken up because because they've had to flee because of persecution. And Peter's writing to them and he wants them to have this this assurance in verses 1 to 4, 2 Peter 1, about, about the rest they have in Jesus Christ. Would you notice this? He says, Simon Peter... A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. What a great thought. We have a like precious faith. It's it's not a biased faith. It's a like precious faith. And he said in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior and our Lord. Then he said in verse 3, according as his divine power. Has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto succeeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And you know, all He's saying there is listen, you've got Jesus, you've got the promises, you've got the power. He says you've got everything you need. He says you can just rest in Jesus Christ and know that, listen, that the Christian life, Jesus has got it all covered. Amen. He's got it all taken care of there for you. We've got him, we've got the promises, we've got the power. These these precious promises, we have a precious faith in Jesus Christ. And we look at Zebulun here and we see a man who dwells at the haven of the sea. He represents a life that's at rest. He's found his security in Jesus Christ. Hey, this year, which we go into 2019, we've got to examine those areas of our life where there are insecurities that we worry about things and we're upset about things and we worry at night and realize tonight, according to Ephesians 1.6, we are accepting the beloved and we can find our security and rest in the Savior Jesus Christ tonight. So much insecurity, so much unrest. Unlike some of his brothers who were called unstable and cruel, Zebulun conducted his life as one that leaned upon the Lord. When you're, when you're, when you're can be described as someone dwelling at the haven of the sea, and it's describing someone who's got absolute faith in our Lord. It's describing someone who's rest in Him. There's someone that storms could be around Him, but there in the middle of the storm, He's right at rest with the Lord. His eye is on the captain. Realize the captain's in control of this situation. We see Zebulun is ranked, Zebulun is rest. What you notice thirdly in verse 13, Zebulun and His refuge. Notice verse 13. And He shall be for a haven of ships. Now that's kind of interesting. The first part said, he will dwell at the haven of the sea. He's at the shoreline. He's at a place to rest. But then Jacob goes on and says, he shall be a haven for ships. Now to understand that if you read study Zebulun in the Old Testament, Zebulun was the commercial tribe. They were the mercantile tribe. They were one of the few tribes in which there was an opening. They were nearest, they were nearest the, the Mediterranean Sea, and they would go out to the vast world beyond and do trading. And they're described as a haven of ships. Now notice, it's not describing so much as him going out as ships coming in. You, you follow what I'm saying tonight? It's not described so much as him going out as ships coming in. Now Deuteronomy, Moses says something about Zebulun and Issachar, uh, uh, and Issachar there. Notice in Deuteronomy 33 verse 18. Zebulun, and of Zebulun he said, rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out. He has this idea of being a haven for the ships. He says, rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out and Issachar in thy tents. Two different, two different paradigms, right? Zissachar is going to rejoice in his tent. Zebulun is going out. Zebulun is a traitor. Zebulun has a picture. That verse right there is a picture of a missionary. Missionaries go out. That's a picture of a soul winner. So soul winners go out. He's talking about Issachar being in tents. Hey, there are times we need to be in the tent. And we need to be in that place where we're getting the word of God. And then he said in verse 19, They shall call the people unto the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. Notice this. For they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. It's talking about them trading and doing business out there in deep waters and as they do so, they'll take in much wealth. They will excel very much in the import-export trade. They will excel very much in what they do in the shipping business. Now what's that all saying there? Well, he is saying here that for sea merchants and seafarers, a docking station at every shoreline is a welcome sight after a long time at sea. If you've ever been on a ship for a long period of time, any kind of a ship you know what a welcome sight it is when you see the sh- when you when you dock at shore you know when you dock when you come to dock you're just kind of glad to get off the ship and uh, get away from the seasickness and the ship food and to get back on land it's just kind of welcome sight there but when you when you do commercial fishing for a long period of time and you're out there on the turbulent waters and you're kind of wonder if you're even going to make it back home when the waters are calm and the wa- and, and the ship that you're in is making its way to to the docking station you're just kind of thankful that that you see home at last and the bible describes zebulun as a docking station for other ships are you with me tonight say amen it describes him as a docking station it describes him as a place where ships that come to shore find their refuge and their safety and rest in him now what's he picture of he's a picture of the resourceful believer who is a blessing to other christians he's someone that you know that you can come to them they have the right words at the right time. They're there at the right place. They're there, you know, when they put their hand on your shoulder, they're there to give comfort. There's someone who gives comfort and encouragement they're a blessing to you. They're not going to be turning you away. They're a welcome sight. They're a sight for sore eyes. They have a word of cheer. It's kind of us like reading my devotion this morning about what Isaiah said about himself. He says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I may learn to speak a word to them that are weary. It's someone that has the right word to say. You just know they're going to be encouraging. They're not going to be critical of you. They're not going to rip you apart. They're not going to tear you down. They're not going to blaspheme God. They're not going to make you feel depressed in your soul. They build you up and encourage you. They're not telling you lies. You're just saying, they're just saying things to help you along the way. They've just got that right word. They'll say something like, hey, come on, you can do it. You can do it. They'll say something like, hey, come on, let me help you out here. Hey, listen, I'm praying for you along the way. Kathy was going, Kathy Mercado was going through some, some valleys there when she got word that her mother had a brain tumor. And you know how it is. You get all these worries. Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Hayes was going through the valley there wondering, what does it mean? My, my mother's got this aneurysm and she's got this, and she's got this, uh, she's paralyzed and she's got the, she's got speech paralysis and all these things. And, you, and your mind goes crazy. Crazy, if you know what I'm saying. Your mind goes crazy with all these things going on there. And you think the worst case scenario and fear comes upon your soul and you're wondering what's going on. But what a welcome it is when someone comes to you and they say, hey listen, I know you're going through a lot. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I just want you to know I brought your name before God. I just want you to know that I've got a good preacher friend of mine over in Dallas, outside of Dallas, Texas. He's over in Waco, Texas. His name is Dr. John Collier. Dr. Collier is an old warrior of the faith. He's probably 80-something years old. I'm going to have him come preach because he's got, he's got such a tender hearted spirit and, and I see him about two times a year down at at the board meetings down at, at the West Coast Baptist College. And Dr. Collier 's an old warrior of the faith. He's, he's known all the old preachers and stuff. And I just got a message the other day, and I get this like every, every month from him. He said, Brother Fong, I just want you to know that every Saturday night I bring your name up before the Lord. I pray for you and all these preachers every Saturday night. Just in passing, probably not more than seven words. i am tell you what, that's encouragement to me, amen? When you know someone's praying for you, that's encouragement. Zebulun being a haven for ships, it's an idea to us that are we somebody, that someone can come to us and doctors ship there. They can park their life and be a blessing to us and encouraging to us. And we can be an encouragement to them and we can help them. You think about ships when they come to the docking station. They unload their cargo. Do they not? They unload all their cargo and they have and all those shipping containers. And they unload it. and They lighten the ship. Hey, aren't you glad when you have someone you can unload on? Aren't you glad it's someone you can unload your cargo to and your baggage to that will listen and be there for you and pray with you? And, and uh, maybe they will they may not want to hear the whole story, but they know what the solution is. they got to take you to Jesus and pray about the situation. And I'm just saying tonight, he was being, was being praised for his father. He said he shall be for a haven of ships. He's a place where people can come and they can feel safe at home. And listen, it ought to be when people come to us, they ought to feel safe. They ought to have the security. They ought to feel like, you know what, this person going to bring me closer to God. This person is going to be an encouragement to my soul. Hey, too much of our lives are wrapped around what we can do and how we've got to do it. And we've got to pause every now and then and remind ourselves, hey, are we someone that people can dock their faith in and feel like they're encouraged, they're blessed, they're built up and they want to come again. They feel like when they get a cup of cold water from you, when they're thirsty, they can come another time and get a cup of cold water again. I'm saying tonight, what it encourage them to speak about this son, that he was a haven for the ships. And all I want to say tonight is, can, you, can other people as we go into 2019, can other people say I'm spiritually better off because I went to you and found my encouragement in Jesus Christ lastly tonight would you notice one last thing we see Zebulun in his rank Zebulun in his rest Zebulun as a refuge would you notice the last part there would you notice verse 13 and his border shall be undecided now Zebulun has been described as a place that found his rest in the Lord And Zebulun's been described as someone exalted, a man blessed of God. And Zebulun's been described as a haven for the ships, a place, uh, someone that people can come to and find encouragement. They can unload on. But an interesting thought as we conclude this, it says Jacob's describing his son while he's leaning on the staff. And he says his border shall extend up to Egypt. I mean, he goes up to Zidon. Now, Zidon, if you know your Bible map, was a coastal city. Zidon was a mighty city. It was a mercantile city. It was a great commercial port. And Zidon was way up on the top of your map there, when you look at your Bible map, from where Jacob was at. Because remember, when Jacob is giving this, this blessing upon his son, Jacob and his sons are way down in Egypt, way down in Egypt. Jacob's here. His sons are here. Zidane's up here. The tribe of Zebulun is not branched out yet. I mean, they don't even have a clue where they're going to branch out to. They don't even know in, Genesis, in, in Joshua 19, I think, verse 10, is when they're going to be given the, uh, the, the inheritance of the land. They don't have any clue about that. They're just getting all settled there in Egypt because Joseph is, is the second man in charge. And his father, Jacob, is describing, if you notice this, he's describing Zebulun and his reach. Zebulun and his reach. He's talking about from here, way down in Egypt, all the way to Zion, his reach will extend over 200 something miles. He's speaking about the, about the reach that he would have. You know, in describing this, he's describing the power of influence. He's saying he will have influence way beyond his immediate area. He'll have an influence way beyond that. He's describing the power of influence. May I say this tonight as we go to 2019? Don't discount or throw away the power of a good testimony. A good name is rather be chosen than silver and gold and loving favor than great riches. Don't throw away the power of a good testimony. Use your influence to help the lives of other people. See your influence as a gift from God in touching many lives. My prayer every day, Lord, please help me to have good influence. Please, Lord, help me to have extensive influence. Jacob said about his son, his borders shall extend all the way up to Zion. He's saying, son, you've got a good testimony. Son, you're blessed of God. Don't ruin your testimony. Let your testimony extend even farther. Listen, when we ruin our testimony, it's a setback that could take a lifetime to recover or we may never recover and he's talking about his son there he said I want you to look at his reach his reach will extend way beyond him it speaks about the reach of his testimony but it also stands talks to us as we look at that about the reach of a church see as a church Thank God that we're to reach our immediate area. But as a church, we need to extend our reach way beyond that. We need to be praying about our other cities. We need to be praying going beyond these borders. Isaiah 54, if you'll turn there, says this. Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 3. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtain of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities be inhabited. Now notice those verses when you break them down. Those are missionary verses. Those are faith verses. Those are vision verses. Those are verses encouraging us to go beyond our borders. Look at it. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Stretch your tent out. Stretch the, tent, the stakes out. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not. Don't leave any length. Just keep pushing. Keep on stretching. Lengthen thy cords. Strengthen thy stake. He says you keep pushing, stretching, steady. Get a larger vision for the area. Get a greater vision for greater things to be done. And he says notice what God says here. When we step out and trust God for that. He says, he says, he'll let us break forth on the right hand and on the left, and our seed shall inherit the Gentiles. He's talking about here, we need to see ourselves, our reach extending beyond San Leandro. Hey, listen, we're 20 years old, it's time to start some churches. We're 20 years old, we need men called to the ministry. We're 20 years old, it's time to launch out and stretch forth our tent. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Yeah, I know we're 20 years older, but listen, we, we need to wait upon the Lord so as we can mount up with wings and eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. Amen? A missionary went to India, the country of India. He traveled by foot. She's was going to a particular city, saw an Indian man on the road. He had a burden for Indian people. He stopped and took his Bible out that was in their Indian language. Started reading the man the word of God and explaining it to him. The man got curious and interested and he went from sitting on the side of the road, he stood up and said, tell me more. Tell me more. And before the ministry went on to continue his journey to the city, he just kind of parked himself there on the side of the road. He says, God put this man here, I need to give him more of the word of God. For a couple of days, the mystery finally said, sir, I, I need to go, move on. I can't stay any longer. And the man wanted more and more because he had never heard these things before. His soul was empty inside because he knew everything he had heard and everything he learned and grew up in was empty in his soul. The mystery said, here, what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear some valuable pages out of the Bible here. He took some pages out of the Gospel of John, pages out of the epistles, and he tore some pages out very carefully and gave it to the man. He says, sir, I'm taking these pages out. I'll get a new Bible. He says, I'll take these pages out because I need to have part of this. I'm going to give these to you. Why don't you read them and learn them? The man took those pages of the Scripture and he started reading them and reading them and read them, and read them over and over again. And the light, the light came on. The Holy Spirit of God illuminated that man and made him realize his need for Christ. And he was a sinner. That man there on the side of the road, after hearing what everything the missionary told him and reading that, that, those Scriptures there, That man trusted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. That Indian man was so grateful. Tears were coming down his eyes. So grateful that man had left portions of the word of God with him. And he wanted to repay the kindness of the missionary. You know what that that Indian did? an Indian went because it was all country out there. He looked out there and he, and he saw that the footsteps of the missionary was still in place. He went over there and measured the, the size, the footsteps of the missionary. And he said, I can do something to repay my kindness to the missionary. And so what he did was he, he, took, he, took, he took some, uh, some, some, uh, sa- some so, 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 he sized up the, the missionary's footsteps. And, the, and this Indian man did something he was good at. He made a pair of like sandal type shoes for the missionary. And then the next thing he did after he made these sandal type shoes, the Indian man walked 200 miles to go to the place where the missionary went back to. And the thought I want to give you is the missionary traveled 200 miles to bring the gospel to that man. He extended his reach to that man and that man repaid that kindness by walking back 200 miles to give that man a pair of shoes. Hey, how far is your reach for Jesus Christ? Zebulun, his borders shall be undecided. Acts 1.8 says, and you sh- but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. So close and I want to encourage you to get back into soul winning. I want to encourage you to schedule soul winning. I want to encourage you to help us. Let's reach souls. Let's do more. While well, you say, let's go start it. We can't start it. We don't have people that are willing to go. Get involved. We've got all these things crowding things out. We've got to realize today, as I said this morning, the lifeblood of the church is winning souls to Christ. Schedule soul winning into your week. What gets scheduled gets done. You schedule it, it'll get done there. Everyone here should make a list of people immediate to your concerns, family, friends, whoever, a list of people that you're going to bring before the throne of grace every single day and call upon God who's our Savior and the the God of salvation to save those family members. And some people you know that need Christ, that maybe they're not family, they're friends or co-workers, but someone that you can bring before the Lord. A little girl by the name of Hannah, the age of five, received Jesus Christ as her Savior in a little Sunday school class. She started to grow in the Lord. One day at the kitchen table, sitting with her mother, she made a very insightful statement. She made the statement to her mother. Listen, she said, Mama, she said she had the joy of the Lord in her heart, but she said, Mama, I think Jesus has moved out of my heart. And her mother said, what? She said, Mama, I think Jesus has moved out of my heart. What are you saying? She says, you had to get Jesus in your heart to get saved. And so the mother's kind of curious, just kind of wondering how little, little fiber was thinking. She said, well, she said, honey, she said, if, if, if Jesus moved out of your heart, well, where did he move to? And listen to what little Hannah said. She said, Mama, he's moved to my throat because all I want to do is tell people about Jesus. That puts us to shame. He's moved out of my heart because he's moved into my throat because I want to tell people about Jesus. I encourage you tonight, study Zebulun. The Bible says he shall, be a, he shall dwell at the haven of the sea. He shall be for a haven of ships and his border shall be in designing. He was a blessed man. Let's get the blessing of God on our lives. If you've got unrest, park yourself in Jesus. He's the anchor of the soul. Evaluate your life. Are you a haven for ships? Is there a word of kindness that people get? They feel comforted, encouraged, blessed, built up? Do people feel like you care? Do people feel like that you're approachable? And people feel like you know what that you're a blessing. We can't sing this song, Make Me a Blessing. If we're not a blessing. Then I'll encourage you tonight look at your reach. How extensive is your reach? Zebulun, his father, said, His borders shall extend all the way up to Zidon. Let's have an extensive reach personally as well as a church. Father, tonight, thank you for this evening's service and this, well, all that you're doing in Heritage Baptist Church. I realize, Lord, that's with the year end and it's vacation time and rest time and before work starts back up for most people. But tonight, Lord, we look at this study of Zebulun. What an encouraging example of an encourager, of a missionary, of faith. No wonder his dad looked at him and he said, his dad and mother, they named him exalted, exalted, the exalted gift. And father, thank you that as he gave honor to God, he was honoring his father on earth. And this evening, we pray that you'll help us to honor the very name you've given us, Christian, people of God. I pray that this, this evening, that Lord, you would reignite a fire and a concern and desire in our heart to be favorable like this man to be blessed of God. Father, tonight as we consider our goals and things we're setting for the year, help us first and foremost to remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, as we give the invitation, would you help us to spend time, Lord, revaluing the year and forgetting those things which are behind and pressing towards those things which are before. Now, this, with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, we we'll give the invitation. I'm going ask us tonight to take this moment as a church Find your place either at your pew or at the front of the church. Let's pray for 2019. Let's pray for souls to be saved. Let's pray for our church. Pray for our church to hit new heights and avenues. I want you to come tonight. Zebelin was a humble man. I want you to come this evening and find your place in the church and pray for your family. There's nothing else. Pray for your family that Christ should be sent over. Would you come tonight? Let's find our place this evening as a church. We're going to center things, and we're going to have a great year, not because of goals we set, a great year because of the God we have. Let's find our place as a church right now. Pray for the church. Pray for our ministries. Pray for the things going on. You find your place tonight. another stanza, you can come tonight. If you're not sure you're saved, I invite you tonight to call, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Would you do that tonight? Lord, tonight we're so thankful for your love for us. Thank you for many victories that privately we kind of know about between us and you that um, you've given. Thank you for many answers to prayer. Thank you for trials you've sent our way. Thank you for challenges, setbacks. Thank you for many victories, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of Lord, serving you and being part of our, our local church. Father, tonight I pray you be honored by our prayers and decisions, things we've cast before the feet of the Lord. More than anything else, Lord, help us let go of the burdens and concerns that we kind of carry around with us. And Lord, to take your yoke upon us and, and to learn of you, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, in a few minutes we'll go home, dismiss us with your blessing. Give us the, the blessing and help of God for our lives. Lord, we pray for a great 2019. Bless this church in wonderful ways. We get our 20th anniversary and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Thank you for all these things. We pray in Jesus' name.